This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. This episode is episode 289, entitled Examining Yahweh's Self-Declaration, I Am He. Yes, in this episode, we are beginning a new series that is going to examine the phrase, I am, or more accurately, I am He, as the self-designation of Yahweh, the God of Israel. And the goal of this series of podcasts is to discern what the phrase, I am he, means when spoken by Yahweh, to discern whether the phrase was reserved for Yahweh alone, to ask the question how Jewish interpreters understood the sacredness of this particular phrase, and most importantly, whether Jesus, by saying, I am he, was making a claim to be Yahweh himself. So we have a big task in front of us, and we're going to be going on for, I think, five, six, maybe seven episodes, but this is going to be the initial episode in which we're going to be looking at some of the preliminary texts within the Old Testament and, of course, within their Greek translation in the Septuagint. Now, I want to begin by giving a fair warning that this episode is going to be a little bit technical. We have to discuss the meaning of words in all three of the biblical languages, in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And so I will do my best to explain the meaning of these words to those listeners who are unfamiliar with the biblical languages, but you may find that you have to stop and pause the episode to take a few notes. That's okay. So fair warning, make sure you're sitting down, you're comfortable, and you have a pencil and paper so you can take some good notes. The question I want to begin by asking is, does Yahweh ever claim the self-designation, I am he? And if so, what does he mean by it? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the first Hebrew occurrence of God's self-declaration. And this comes from a passage in Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. In this passage, Yahweh is speaking. And he says, See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. That's Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. A very important passage in our study of the self-declaration, I am he, on the lips of Yahweh. So does God claim to be I am, or more accurately, I am he? I think the answer is yes, absolutely he does. In Hebrew, we actually get the double reference to the first-person pronoun, we see it expressed in English, where it says, I, I am he. But in Hebrew, we have, ani, ani, hu. 
And it's important if you're taking notes to commit to memory the Hebrew phrase, I am he, which is Ani Hu. And that is the first person pronoun, and of course the third person pronoun, I am he. And in the Greek translation, we have the phrase ego and me, which might be familiar to some of you. That, of course, is the first person pronoun and the verb to be in the first person. So here, God is claiming to be I am, and the Jewish translators felt comfortable using the phrase ego and me in Greek to refer to Yahweh in his self-declaration. So, God claims to be I am he. That much is clear, but what does that actually mean? What does it mean when Yahweh is claiming this? Well, this is the first text in the Hebrew Bible where God makes this important self-declaration. And we can see in the context that God is claiming to be very unique. He indicates that there are no gods beside him. He is obviously the giver of life, but he's also the judge, the one who can put to death, the one who can wound. And he indicates that no one is able to take anything away from his hand. More importantly, the claim to be I am he is a self-claim to be a single person. To say I am he is to indicate that you are one person twice. I is a singular pronoun. He is a singular pronoun. So whoever is claiming to be I am he is claiming to be one individual person. He's not claiming to be two or three persons. And in fact, this particular verse, Deuteronomy 32, verse 39, has several other singular references, just in case it wasn't clear, with God saying, I, I am he. In the verse, we have 11 total singular references indicating without the shadow of a doubt that Yahweh himself is one single person. This is a Unitarian God. And this passage, Deuteronomy 32:39, appears to be the very first time that God uses the phrase, I am he, as a self-designation. It's the first time that we see this within the Hebrew Bible. And there's actually some evidence that indicates that the phrase, I am he, from Deuteronomy 32:39 influenced other Old Testament authors to make the same claim, especially based on the evidence in the book of Isaiah. More on those passages in next week's episode. But some of you may be asking, well, Dustin, what about Exodus chapter 3? Doesn't God claim to be I am who I am in Exodus chapter 3 when talking to Moses out of the burning bush? That'll move us to our second point. Point number two, what about Exodus chapter three? So let's read this passage and put it into its context. So starting in three, verse 11, this is what the passage says. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, 
you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3, verses 11 through 14. Now you might think, well, clearly, God just said at that particular point in verse 14, I am who I am. You will say to them, I am has sent me to you. Isn't Exodus before Deuteronomy? Wouldn't that indicate that Exodus is the first time that God makes this self-declaration, I am or I am he? There's a little bit more of a nuance that we have to look at when it comes to this particular passage. The translation in the present tense, I am, who I am, suggests that God is making the self-declaration from the Hebrew phrase, Ani Hu. Again, that's the Hebrew phrase, which means I am he. But when you look at the Hebrew of this passage in Exodus, that's not actually the case. We don't have the phrase Ani Hu in this passage, nor anywhere in the book of Exodus. What we have is the verb to be in the first person singular in the call imperfect. Now, what is the call imperfect? Well, the call imperfect could, it is true, it could be translated in the present as a continuing or repeated action. And this is perhaps why some people have chosen to translate it as I am who I am. So it is a possible translation from the Hebrew phrase, even though this is not the normal phrase, I am he. This is the verb to be in the imperfect tense. But the imperfect tense normally is translated in the future. Namely, I will be. And scholars have pointed out that this is actually a better way of making sense of the context. What is the context? Well, we saw that God said in 3 verse 12 that, quote, I will be with you. And that's the same phrase that we have in verse 14. Ehiye, I will be. And God's claim to be with Moses in the future, using the call imperfect, first person singular of the verb to be, is what resulted in Moses' question, what is your name? To which God again used the very same future sense of the call imperfect, I will be who I will be. That's probably the more accurate translation of the phrase. So just to make clear, it is possible that the Hebrew phrase can be translated as a present continuing or repeated action, I am, but the context indicates that God has already used the phrase to say that I will be with you, resulting in Moses saying, well, what is the name that I'm going to give if they ask who you are? And then God says, I will be who I will be. And this particular translation is the dominant consensus of the critical commentaries. And I checked the Anchor Bible commentary, the 
International Critical Commentary and the Erdman's Critical Commentary. And they all make this point that it needs to be translated in the future. I will be who I will be. Now, in the Greek translation, they took this phrase, I will be who I will be, and they put it into Greek as ego imi o on, which should be put into English as I am the being one. Now, they only have the phrase I am once. So even though the Hebrew clearly has the verb to be twice, the Greek translation has taken a less than literal translation of the Hebrew when they rendered it into Greek. And then when the phrase in verse 14 says, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, this phrase has sent me to you. Who is it that has sent Moses to the sons of Israel? The Greek translator put that as the being one, not as egoimi, not as I am. So Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 does not, on close examination, use the self-declaration, I am he, the Hebrew phrase, anihu, that we observed in Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. In fact, the phrase, I am he, is not present anywhere in the Hebrew or in the Greek of Exodus 3, verse 14. And when you search for the Hebrew phrase, I am he, within the Old Testament, we, of course, come up with Deuteronomy, the passage we already looked at. We also find six passages in the book of Isaiah, which I mentioned we're going to study in next week's episode. There are no references in the book of Exodus to the Hebrew phrase, I am he. But there's also one other curious passage in 1 Chronicles 21. What might that passage have to say in regard to our study? Let's take a look. Our third point today is the self-designation in 1 Chronicles. This is a very interesting passage for our study of the self-designation, I am he. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 17, we have the context of King David speaking to Yahweh. And the text says, David said to God, Is it not I who commanded to count the people? Indeed, I am he who has sinned and done very wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? O oh, Yahweh my God, Please let your hand be against me and my father's household, but not against your people, that they should be plagued. That's First Chronicles 21, verse 17. So we see here King David saying the phrase, I am he. And it's the very same Hebrew phrase that we saw in Deuteronomy 32, 39. The Hebrew phrase, Anihu. Even the Septuagint translator took this and rendered it into egoimi, I am he. What is David saying in this passage? He's saying, I am the one who did it. It is I. I am the guy. And what this indicates for our study is something very, very important. It indicates that the self-designation I am he could be spoken by persons other than Yahweh, when they are making casual self-references and 
Jews were comfortable rendering this in both languages, in Hebrew and in Greek. It also indicates that there was no indication that the speaker, in the case here, it's King David, had blasphemed by saying, I am he, or in the Greek, by saying, ego emi. Now, some might think that, well, David is maybe functioning as an agent of God. Maybe he is speaking it as the agent of God in the way that agents would normally speak the things that God might say. Is that actually what is taking place in this passage? I don't think it is. There's actually no indication that the author is presenting David as claiming to be an agent of Yahweh or as a representative of Yahweh. And of course, there's no indication that David is being presented as claiming to be Yahweh by saying, I am he, by using the very same Hebrew phrase that we saw in Deuteronomy 32, 39. And the Septuagint translator was not embarrassed by this particular remark. He allowed David to say, Egoimi, without assuming that David was saying something improper or blasphemous. The phrase, I am he, in Hebrew, can, as we see in this passage, be a casual self-reference. And the presence of this passage within the Hebrew Bible and in the Septuagint proves that human beings can indeed say, I am he, or even egoimi in Greek, without being accused of claiming to be Yahweh himself. It's a very interesting point, and it, of course, will have some bearing when we get to the New Testament. Now, what about the second person indicator? If God can use the first person and say, I am he, in a way that clearly points him out as the unique God who has no one besides him, can someone refer to God as you are he? And in fact, we have evidence of this actually taking place. This is our fourth point, the second person indicator used of Yahweh. So our passage is going to come out of Psalm 102, verse 27. Now all these references I'm giving to you in the English, but the Hebrew verse might be slightly different, but I'm giving it to you in the English so that you can look it up for yourself. In Psalm 102, verse 27, the psalmist says to Yahweh, But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Now the phrase in English is translated, You are the same. But in Hebrew, it more accurately is, You are he using the second person pronoun instead of the first person pronoun that we've seen in Deuteronomy 32 and in 1 Chronicles 21. So we have, instead of Anihu, I am he, we have the second person, Atahu, you are he. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying, you are he, you are the one, you are the person I'm talking about. Now the Septuagint, translates this as you are the same, but the same is the definite article with a third person singular pronoun, and so the translation you are the same is the correct translation. So it's continuing to render 
this phrase you are he with the indicator that Yahweh is a single person. So it would appear, based on Psalm 102, 27, that the self-designation of Yahweh in the first person, I am he, can also be used to address God in the second person, you are he. So it seems that Deuteronomy 32 has even influenced the author of Psalm 102. So a question we might ask, along similar lines as we have observed earlier, is the phrase, you are he, reserved for Yahweh alone? We say that I am he is not reserved for Yahweh alone because David was able to say it in a way that was not understood as blasphemous. What about the phrase, you are he? Is that reserved for Yahweh alone? And this will move us to our final point. Point number five, the second person indicator in Daniel chapter four. So in Daniel chapter four, we have Daniel who is given the name Belteshazzar and he is interpreting one of the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar. So that's the context. Starting in chapter 4, verse 19, let's see what this passage has to say. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar replied, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries, the tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the skies and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt and in whose branches the birds of the sky lodged, you are he, O king. That's Daniel chapter 4, verses 19 through 22. So Daniel was able to say to Nebuchadnezzar, you are he. And Daniel chapter 4 is actually all written in Aramaic. So we actually have the Aramaic second person pronoun, antahu. And this again is the Aramaic equivalent to the second person reference that we saw in the Hebrew of Psalm 102, verse 27, in our last section. The phrase, you are he. And Daniel, by saying to Nebuchadnezzar, you are he, Daniel was certainly not saying that Nebuchadnezzar was Yahweh. You are he is similar to saying, I am he, in the sense that it can be used in a casual manner to point out somebody. You are the guy. It is you. You are the one that I'm talking about. And the context makes absolutely clear. Daniel saw a tree and he said to Nebuchadnezzar, that is you. You're the tree. You're the one in the vision. And so in conclusion, what can we conclude by looking at this preliminary evidence in our study of the self-designation, I am he, used for Yahweh? First, we observe that Yahweh did in fact use the phrase, I am he, in Hebrew, anihu, as a self-designation to indicate his unique role as the only God, 
the one who alone judges, who gives life, and protects his people. This was made very clear in Deuteronomy 32, verse 39, but it is certainly not present in Exodus chapter 3. Second, we noted that the writers of the Old Testament did not think that the phrase, I am he, in Hebrew, anihu, was reserved for Yahweh alone. King David, a human being, used the phrase, I am he, as a casual self-reference in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 17. In doing so, David was not claiming to be Yahweh. He was not speaking the phrase as an agent who represented Yahweh. And the context makes very clear that David is talking to Yahweh, so there's absolutely no confusion as to what David meant when he used the self-designation, I am he, to refer to himself. Thirdly, the phrase, I am he, could be used in the second person, you are he, in order to address Yahweh. This was observed in Psalm 102. Fourthly, the phrase, you are he, could also be used to casually point to persons other than Yahweh, as indicated by Daniel saying, you are he, to Nebuchadnezzar. And finally, and most importantly, when God claims to be I am he, with the self-designation in Hebrew, anihu, he is declaring to be one single person, a Unitarian God. For Yahweh to say, I am, or I am he, is to claim to be only one person. His self-designation, I am he, is therefore inconsistent with both Benetarianism and Trinitarianism, which requires that God is more than one person. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please join us next week as we continue to explore the topic of the self-designation, I am he, in the Old Testament, where Yahweh is going to speak this title within the book of Isaiah. We will explore the passage in the book of Isaiah to further round out what this phrase means when spoken on the lips of the person of Yahweh. So please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You can support us absolutely for free by subscribing, by giving us an honest review, and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a financial donation, check out the episode description for a PayPal link. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.